Welcome to the Grace Long Beach Podcast, a series of sermons from our weekly Sunday gathering. For more information on our church community, values, and service times, please visit www.gracelb.org. Thanks for listening. Today's reading is Luke 19, 28 through 40. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? You shall say this, The Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. This is the name of the Lord. Thanks be to God. My name is Daniel Long, and I'm a pastor here at Grace, and as we get into the Word this morning, um, I would like to pray for us that perhaps God would have a word for us, that he would speak to us, and that we this morning would encounter God afresh. So will you please pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you that you are with us. Thank you that you move toward us. Thank you that you've given us your word. I ask this morning that you would speak a word to us, that we might hear you, that we might be transformed by you, that we might remember who you are and what you're like and what that means for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, this is the beginning of Holy Week. This is the beginning of this, of this time when we enter into the story of Jesus' final week. And today, we celebrate, we pay attention to Palm Sunday. Now, I don't know about you, but it's often the case for me that I kind of come into this season, and it sort of catches me off guard. If I was going to be really honest, this season in particular of Holy Week, I feel super fragmented. Like, I don't really feel like a good Christian 
or in the sense of, oh, I should be anticipating this, right? We just kind of went through the season of, uh, or we're going through the season of, of Lent, of really paying attention to um, the sacrifice of, of Christ and what that means for us. Honestly, it feels like it just kind of came up and it's like, wait a second, really? Next Sunday's Easter? Today's Palm Sunday? And so I don't know where you find yourself this morning, if that's the case for you. I consider this morning a real gift to orient us to the story of Jesus, to orient us to the true story of our lives, of what it means to be followers of Jesus, because what we encounter in this week is really what makes sense of who we are together, of who I am in Christ. As the pilgrimage for Jesus begins today, as he enters into Jerusalem, moving toward the cross, through death to life, may we also follow Jesus, take the pilgrimage along with him to the cross, through death, so that we might experience resurrection life. And so the question then is, how might the Palm Sunday text help us to enter in to the story Help us enter into this week. Because this week is filled with so many opportunities, right, to pay attention to what it means to be a part of the church. And not just here at Grace, but really the church around the world. I mean, we have Palm Sunday today. Then on Thursday, we have a Monday Thursday celebration, an opportunity to, to have a meal together, to enact the last night of Jesus' life, washing one another's feet. We have an opportunity to engage in in the solemn sadness of Friday when Jesus died and then the silence of Holy Saturday what it means that Christ did in fact die and where is he now in the tomb and then on Sunday we have the opportunity of celebrating resurrection life and this Year Like last year, we have an opportunity to partner with King's Church in that celebration as a reminder that through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus that we've been called together as a people by God to bear witness to the life that is found in the resurrection. But Palm Sunday, how does this text help us enter into this week? Well, if you want to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 19, we're going to look at this text which is commonly known as the triumphal entry, which is a little ironic because it doesn't feel very triumphant. Um, It's on page 879. We'll start at the bottom of 878 in your blue Bibles if if you have one. So I'm going to leave this image up. It's behind me. Um, And it's an image of... I mean, it's an image of Christ. It's a 19th century French painting by, by an artist named Flandrin. And I love it because it, it, it places Jesus at the center of the frame, right? And, and I think that's really convenient and that's really helpful because what we have here in this story of Palm Sunday is really a convergence of three stories in which Jesus is in the center of those three stories. And I want to suggest that to understand Palm Sunday is to understand that there's kind of this this mingling of these three different stories. And so the first story is the story of Rome. 
that the triumphal entry, right, the story that we find ourselves in Luke, Luke 19, the Palm Sunday text, really is the backdrop of that story is the story of Rome, the Roman Empire, which is a story of coercive power. Rome was an empire that was bent on power. Now, you've heard of this thing called the Pax Romana, right? Which is Roman peace. Well, the peace of Rome was actually not very peaceful, or the way that peace was kept by having a really large military presence. Because you don't mess with Rome. Remember, we're peaceful. (laughs) To mess with Rome... was to really experience the coercive power of Rome to remind you who it is you're dealing with. So it's the story of Rome, of coercive power. And there, was, there were plenty of reminders of what that meant. The cross, execution being one of those reminders of what it looked like to commit treason, to go against the Roman power. But also... Another story that is kind of mingling in with the story of God is the story of Israel. Now this is a story of expectation and hope. When when we find Jesus here coming into Jerusalem, this is at the time of Passover. Now in this small in Jerusalem, which isn't a large city, its borders aren't as big as as the Long Beach borders, yet there were so many people packed into this place going to Jerusalem to go to the temple to celebrate Passover. I mean, we're talking like upwards of a million people. And it's the story of Israel, the Passover story of Israel, which is so significant to remember, right? The story of the Exodus. The story in which through Moses, God redeemed rescued the people of Israel out of the oppressive rule of, the, of Egypt. And so for Jesus to be entering into Jerusalem on Passover, of course people would have this hopeful expectation. Perhaps this is a new Moses, a new leader, a new deliverer, a new king. So there's that story. But then, of course, always happening in the background is the story of God. The story that God is telling. And the story that God is telling really confronts these two other stories. And the story that God is telling is the story in which Jesus is at the center. And as Jesus enters into Jerusalem... He asks his disciples to go find a colt, to go find a donkey. Let's look at the text, 1928. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead, Jesus, going up to Jerusalem. And when he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat. That's a really interesting thing, right? A cult that's, that's so Jesus is saying, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go into the next town. I want you to find a cult, a donkey, and nobody's ever sat on it. And here's what I want you to do. If anybody asks you, why are you untying it? You say, well, the Lord has need of it. 
And so we know that those who were then sent away, in verse 32, they found it just as he told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, well, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus. And they threw their cloaks on the colt and they set Jesus on it. So Jesus, it's, it's really important that the story God is telling is a story in which this is how he wants to be known, against the story of the coercive power and empire of Rome, and against the story of hopeful expectation of, of Israel, of wanting really a new deliverer, that subversion of power, a new type of power, to get out from the oppressive power of Rome so that they might then have their own type of power. But God says, no, how I want you to know me is I want you to know me as the one who came in the flesh and whose triumphal entry is going to look like something that is not really that spectacular. I'm going to come on a donkey, on a colt. God wants to be known as the God who is humble. The God who is intent on confronting the story of power, who's intent on actually telling or re-narrating the story of the kingdom of Israel and of hopeful expectation. And see, this is a story that's actually rooted deep in Israel's history. Yet because of their expectation of what they thought it would look like, they were missing out on it. Now, if you want, you can turn your Bibles to Zechariah 9. That's on page 797. And so how does this story that God is telling through Jesus here on Palm Sunday confront those other two stories? Well, first, it's a statement about humility. Zechariah 9, starting in verse 9, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey. So Jesus knows what he's doing by sending his disciples ahead to go get a colt, to go get a donkey. Because what Jesus is doing is enacting something like political theater. I mean, when the Roman Empire was coming into um, to a city... You bet he had a procession. People were expecting him. Things were being laid on the ground. And the Roman Empire, Caesar Augustus, was known as a son of God, was known as a lord. But he wouldn't, Caesar Augustus or Tiberius Caesar, wouldn't come on a donkey. He'd come on a stallion. And he'd come with power. And he'd come with this military presence to suggest you don't mess with me, what you do is you bow down before me or else. And so Jesus knows what he's doing by getting on a donkey, and certainly the Roman Empire might catch wind of what is going on. And these, the people of Israel are maybe also getting a sense of perhaps what he's doing. But really, do they? Now continue in Zechariah 9. Because certainly this is where their expectations are coming from. 
Starting in verse 10, I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem and the battle bow shall be cut off and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare that I will restore you, restore to you double. For I have bent Judah as my bow, I have made Ephraim its arrow. I will stir up your sons, O Zion, against your sons, O Greece, and wield you like a warrior's sword. So the people of Israel are like, absolutely, this is going down today. This is going to be good. Rome has no idea what's coming to them. Jesus is coming on a donkey, and he is going to make us like his bow and like his arrow, and he is going to restore the kingdom to us. But Jesus, or but God through Jesus, is making a different comment about the kingdom of God. It's a comment about the kingdom being something that actually subverts hopes and expectations. The kingdom not coming in a blaze of glory, not overthrowing the power per se from the top down, but really something a little bit more subtle and subversive. And it actually comes by way of death on a cross at the hands of the Roman Empire for committing treason. At the hands of the Jewish people who were there for committing blasphemy against the temple. I mean, this is a very political text because Jesus is not who anyone wants him to be. And often the kingdom of God is like that, isn't it? That it's so different than we would like it to be or that we wish it was. That we wish it was more spectacular. We wish it was quicker. We wish it was stronger. But yet it's something more subtle and messy and is worked out in our relationships with one another, in the small, mundane things of life, in a church community where we disagree and where there are issues and problems, and yet the way we deal with those things somehow points to the reality of God's kingdom being present because of Jesus being present through his spirit in us. I mean, that's what the kingdom of God looks like. That's how the kingdom of God works. And the question is, do we see it? Do we notice it? Or is it possible that because of our expectations and our, and our hopes of what it should be, we miss out on what it actually is? And we wonder, God, have you forgotten us? Where are you? But perhaps Holy Week, Palm Sunday, is an opportunity to reorient ourselves to the story that God is telling so that we might then have eyes to see and to recognize how we ourselves are to live in that story. And so finally, it's a story, it's a story about meaning. Because the question that Palm Sunday presents us with, the question that Jesus himself presents us with is, who gets to, who gets to be responsible for meaning? Who gets the ultimate, to make the ultimate meaning of our lives, of my life? Is it the political forces around me? 
Is it my own hope and expectation of what something should be? Is that how we derive meaning? Or is it God? Do I make meaning out of my life because of who God is? And that's a question that we're presented with on Palm Sunday and all throughout Holy Week. And so I guess my question to you and to myself is, where are you? Where are you at the beginning of Holy Week? Where are you this morning as we come to this Palm Sunday text? How are you entering into the story to the pilgrimage to the cross through death to resurrection life? Is it possible you're like the Romans, bent in some ways on power? And maybe this is kind of manifested in relationships, wielding sort of power in your relationships with other people, and a certain type of power, almost this manipulative, coercive power? Is that where you find yourself? Or maybe it's seeking power in some other way, some control, right, over life and your circumstances and your future. Is that where you find yourself this morning? Or do you find yourself perhaps like the people of Israel who has an idea, the ideal, your own ideal of what the kingdom of God should look like? And rather, what you're confronted with is a kingdom that's way more complicated than you feel good about. The kingdom of God is a little bit more generous and inclusive than you'd like it to be. It includes people you'd actually rather were not included. Is the kingdom of God being missed? Because God is doing something different. And you're here, and you, you are the one who's making the meaning, and so you can't find or see God. And perhaps, like the people of Israel, like myself, we're blind to it. Where are you this morning at the beginning of Holy Week? Where are you this morning as we're confronted with the text of Palm Sunday? How are you entering in to the story, to the journey toward the cross? Because I think what's required, what I need to see God, to encounter God, is I need that humility, right? Like I need not this power, not this strength to try and grab hold of things or life, but to really kind of release that control. I need the humility to be able to be surprised and open to what God is doing and what he's up to. The humility to be open so that God, when he pursues me, when he moves toward me, when he enters Jerusalem, that I myself can see him and say, behold, blessed is the king. I need God to make the meaning of my story, not I. Because when I do, I'm lost, and I'm confused, and I'm in despair. I had somebody say this morning when, when we were talking, uh, a friend said, I don't know how people do this thing, life, without this. 
without the story of God? Like, how do people, how do people do it? How do you not just feel so alone? How do you not just despair? And I think it's a good question. And I think it's a question for us. How is it that we do life? How is it that I do life without paying attention to, without acknowledging what my story is in light of the story that God is telling? But as we come into this week, and as we have the opportunity to kind of participate in the story of God, we're reminded of who we are. And we really need to be reminded of who we are, otherwise we'll try to be something other than that we're supposed to be. So it's a real question and issue of identity. Two weeks ago, three weeks probably, was one of like the hardest weeks I've had in a while, where it was, I just felt like so lost. Um, in the sense of, man, I don't know really what I'm doing. I just kind of feel, I felt like, do you ever have these weeks where you just kind of feel like you can't do anything right? Does that happen to you, please? I hope it does. Good. So there, it was this week in which I just felt like, man, I am, the, the relationships that are close to me, I, I just feel like I am dropping the ball in all of these relationships. I had this one day where I had this really hard conversation um, the day before, and then had a really hard conversation that day, and then I was meeting a new friend for lunch, and I just walked in, and he's like, how are you doing? And I just started crying. <laughs> I was like, I'm doing great. Uh, and, and I just felt like it was this sense of, of, of powerlessness that I just couldn't, like, I, I felt like as if the world or people around me wanted me to be powerful, right? Like, you have this sense that you feel like you need to have it all together. And, um, and I do have it all together. Uh, and <laughs> despite what this story might tell you. No, but I, and, and there was this, this moment where it was just like, man, I obviously don't. Like, I am, I am not called to be the powerful military force that is Rome, right? I mean, I, I can't do that. Like, I am not a person who is supposed to have the power to just to do it all. And neither are you. And yet, it's so easy. It's so easy to pretend that you do. It's so easy for me to pretend that I do. And then I actually miss out. I actually miss out on the presence of God. I miss out on God coming into Jerusalem because I don't need him. I don't need to say, blessed is the king, right? I don't need to say or listen to Jesus telling me, I am your salvation. Why would I need that when I am my own salvation? Obvi, you know, it's like, or, um, and, like, I, I just need myself. And this week, like, I kind of just ran into this reality where it's like, no, you don't. You need, you can't do it. And as I come into Holy Week, like, I just hope, my hope is, together as a community, that we can say, look, this is, this is who I am. This is how I'm entering into the story. You know what? I do want a lot of power, and I want to control. You know what? I do have all these hopes and expectations that have been dashed to the curb. We, in the last year, as a community, have experienced a lot of death. And a lot of hurt and loss and pain. And we enter into this Holy Week, and if we do not... If we are not honest about that, we will miss out on the good news that is offered to us in Jesus Christ. We will miss out on the good news of the gospel that, where God says in Jesus, I have entered your world. 
where God says in Jesus, I'm actually going to be with you all the way to death. And I'm going to pull you through death into resurrection. I mean, that's what we need. And that's what God offers. Jesus says to us, I am your salvation. Jesus says to us, I am life. And may we be people who say, blessed is the king. Blessed is the king who through Jesus, the kingdom has begun. New life is now. And perhaps it's different than you might want it to be or than you expected. But it's still God's kingdom nonetheless. So don't miss out on it. That's what's offered to us in Christ Jesus. That's what's offered to us in Palm Sunday. That's what's offered to us through this week as we journey to the cross. May we be people who have the courage, nay, the humility to follow Jesus there. Thanks be to God.